so if we took back the hands of time what would we do different i'd add some intention i'd clear up my vision do away with tradition yeah. all these endless cycles i've been walking in my daddy had the same issues that i deal with and his daddy could have stopped it before it got to him so let's learn to raise our kids so they can blossom Welcome to Parenting Proverbs Welcome to Parenting Proverbs Welcome to Parenting Hey everyone and welcome to Parenting Proverbs. We're back with another episode. We are your hosts, Zoe Shaw and Deanna Carter-Boswell. We are licensed professional counselors in the state of Georgia who work with children, teens, and their families. That's right. And a couple weeks ago, we did part one of What Really Matters, where we talked about safety and security with kids. We dug into emotional and mental safety, as well as physical safety. So this week, we are back with part two, where we're going to be talking about support and validation. Yes, two very important topics. So let's talk about support. What are some ways that parents can support or parents, caregivers, the village can support the child in their world? Uh, I think one of the biggest things is um, when parents are able to really just take an interest in the things that interest their kids. Mm -hmm. So if you notice that, you know, they're really into movies or they're involved in sports, just taking an interest to know more about that thing um, will foster a sense of connection. And when they feel like you understand or want to know more about the little things, they'll come to you with the bigger things as well. Yeah, that's right. Because kids are into what they're into. And if you can show interest in those things, it really starts to build that connection and they feel supported and understood. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, also, just being involved um, in the day-to-day happenings of their lives. So whether that's um, school, making sure that you're you know, up to date with the classes that they're taking, what they're learning, how you can be helpful in that way. Um, also, with their friend groups, knowing who their friends are, mm-hmm. um, asking questions, getting to know the families of their friends, and just being involved in what's happening with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Knowing what's going on. And also, I think just asking them how they want to be supported or if they want you to be involved with certain things, like issues that they have at school, whether it's with um, a teacher, a grade, an assignment, or things with their friends, just asking how you can support them and if they want your assistance with, with what's going on with them. Yeah. And I think when you show that you care about even the little details, they'll be able to feel more comfortable coming to you with like the big things that are going on. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> you know, you see like that. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if that's related. But you know that that meme where like the African movie where the guy, the dad was like, oh my God, wow. <laughs> what? So basically, it's like the idea, like when a child brings you like a crayon drawing mm-hmm. and you have like this big expression, it's like, you know, this, this drawing looks like crap. 
Oh, okay. But the okay. parent is like, like this is the greatest piece of artwork I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. But it's like when it's like, oh, well, if I can show you this like piece of nothingness and you react and support in like such a big way, I'm gonna come to you with the big stuff too. Like, I did this too, and I, you know, this is going on too because yeah. they know that whatever you bring to them, it's gonna be received well. It's gonna be, you know, looked at with a high regard and accepted. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's no, I get what you're saying. And I think the other side of that is sometimes people feel like, well, I'm not going to give you praise or whatever for this subpar performance or whatever it is. But I think there's a big difference between like encouraging somebody and then like offering them this false sense of praise. Because if the child's not performing well or not doing well, you can acknowledge their effort. Mm-hmm. Um so that critique or feedback is more so based off their effort versus the the product um, of what they produce or what they're doing. Yeah. And that is the difference between praise and encouragement is that the encouragement is looking at the effort they make towards what they're doing or trying to accomplish versus mm-hmm. praising what was actually done. Mm-hmm. Because when we focus on the praise and like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. You did such a good job when kids don't always meet that expectation every single attempt, then it causes them to have low Mm self-esteem, to kind of be hard on themselves, to strive for this perfection that's not attainable. Right. But if you're focusing on the effort, like you worked really hard, well, no matter what they do in life, as long as they're working really hard, then that's enough. And I think that's the important piece is like making sure that kids feel like they are enough, no matter what they do. Because it's not about what they do, but it's about who they are as a person. And Mm -hmm. that's always going to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. And the process, because even because I know I have and I'm sure you have had conversations with kids who may have like failed a test or not performed how they wanted to. And they studied really hard Yeah, um, and they're feeling discouraged. They're feeling like they're not smart. They're feeling like their parents are going to be mad at them, like all of these things, what they put in the effort. But for some reason, it just didn't connect. So it may be like you tried really hard. You studied really hard on this test, validating the feeling and then saying, Maybe there's something that we can do differently, or maybe there's a different way of studying. So it's not saying let's keep doing the same thing because that didn't get the results. So maybe we need to shift that energy and that effort into a different form of studying, into tutoring or getting more clarity. Because you can study hard on the wrong thing, and that's True. not gonna help. It's not gonna help. True. So being able to identify, like, okay, you put the effort in, so it wasn't like you weren't, you didn't try. It's no. just it wasn't directed in the right direction in the correct direction yeah i think that's where anxiety can kick in really early for kids because i even think about when i was in elementary school and you know when we used to have like those like uh those minute tape like times table sheets yes oh my god and it's like you were just trying to rush to like half the time you wanted to get the right answer but even if you didn't you had to complete the sheet because like if you didn't it would be like oh man like i I suck at this right and like you see all these other kids that are like done done and you're just like wait i'm still okay i don't know this and like this sense of anxiety that i have to get it right i have to get Mm -hmm. it done it started early yeah and just just to know like hey even if you don't get all the answers the fact that you're trying to learn the the math material Mm -hmm. should be good enough but you know there's a fine balance because you do want kids to excel and succeed in things but also making sure that the goals that we have for them are realistic and they're they're able to meet them. Yes, setting them setting them up for success. And I think that anxiety starts even earlier now. 
because so many kids are taking like a whole bunch of AP classes. They're doing college like, prep. Middle schoolers taking high school level courses. That like there's mean. a lot of pressure when it comes, and it also depends on what school district you're in too. Because mm-hmm. there's some that are you know a little bit different than others, but it's like they have so much pressure on them. They don't even have time to be kids anymore. Um, working long hours, staying up, pulling all, I didn't pull all nighters until college. <laughs> yeah. And there's high school kids who are pulling all nighters frequently mm-hmm. trying to get work done because they have to meet these certain expectations and it's impacting their mental health. It's impacting their physical health, health. It's impacting their quality of life. So it's like, what, what matters here? What really matters? What's the priority? Because you can get all A's, but if you're not mentally healthy, or you don't know how to navigate social situations because you don't have time for all that. When you get to college, how successful are you really going to be? When you get in the workforce, how successful are you really going to be? So I think those are conversations that um, need to be had within family units about what's the most important thing here. Yeah. And I think it really is like seeking balance in everything. Like you said, I have like middle school clients who not only are they in these advanced classes, but they also have extracurricular activities and they're in um, school sports, but also club sports. And it's like, I'm asking them like, hey, when do you have time to like spend with your friends? And they're like, I don't. And the way they say it is just like, this is like, what do you mean? What are friends? And it's like, they're not able to have that balance. So they're putting all this extra pressure to accomplish something that they probably don't really need to be thinking about for the next couple years Mm -hmm. but they're thinking about it as a sixth grader or a seventh grader yeah and it doesn't allow them space to develop and actually find out what their interests are Mm -hmm. because they're either trying to follow the mold that was set before them or that parents expected or teachers expected or go with where their friends are going but they don't really have time to figure out who they are yeah which is a whole nother layer which is an identity piece right yeah and also what I guess really matters for them. I think for the most part, students want to succeed succeed and do well um, in school. Um, But I think I see it a lot with students who have parents who are very successful now and may not have come grown up in that situation where they're like, well, we worked hard to put you in this school district. We work hard for you to go to this private school. So you need to be doing this, this, this. Um, All the while the kids are like, I'm, I'm doing it, but I just need a little, yeah, yeah. yeah. I need a little support. Something has to change. Um, And even with that, I always encourage, because I do have several families that are in that same position. And I always encourage parents um, that have seen a lot of success in their lives and are trying to raise their families to, um, you know, achieve and make something great of themselves that, hey, you can also be realistic that it wasn't always like that for you. Like right. that where you are now isn't where you started and that you've gone through some similar things as them and that you've had to struggle with the same, um, you know, teenage woes or like elementary woes of like trying to figure out things and struggle with school and trying to fit in and all these things. Right. Because I think kids do see their parents and they're like, yeah, my life isn't perfect like that. And hey, let them know my life wasn't perfect, still isn't perfect now Mm -hmm. and being transparent. And that'll also foster connection. I like that you mentioned transparency because I would say Gen Z and I guess the generation after them, they have taken like 
transparency to a whole new level mm-hmm. and they will call their parents out on stuff and they're like you know they try to make it seem like it's this perfect situation or this this and they're not going for it like it's it's a very interesting dynamic shift so i think that tr- if parents are able to be more transparent about their feelings their experiences and things like that i think that will gain more respect from their kids because they're seeing like okay, I know you had a hard day at work. You come home like yelling or you come home and you're drinking and all of these things are happening, but you're not talking about it or like you're not being honest about what's really going on. But imagine if for a kid, you see your parent coming home and they they express like, I'm feeling really stressed mm-hmm. because of X, Y, Z, maybe not in full detail, but I'm feeling stressed. I had a rough day at work. I'm going to go to the gym. I just need some time, you know, to decompress or whatever it is that can model for them how to appropriately handle emotions and situations because you're handling them well and showing that just because you're an adult doesn't mean that you don't have these feelings and these experiences, but you just know how to handle them effectively, which in turn teaches your kids how to handle them effectively. Yeah. And I like that you said that because, again, the goal in raising, you know, strong, healthy children is that you know, they're young, they're starting off really young and you want to grow them into capable adults that are able to make decisions for themselves, that are able to advocate for themselves and make good choices and be successful and be productive members of society and Mm -hmm. all these things. So now that we have these generations that are becoming more outspoken and Mm self-aware and they're able to speak up for themselves and share what's on their mind, this idea of like, what's the difference between being expressive and able to communicate mm-hmm. versus disrespect. Because I think sometimes, you know, we've grown up, you know, our generation with the idea that when you say something or you talk, it's called talking back or you're being disrespectful mm-hmm. because, you know, you're calling someone out, calling an adult out on the things that you see. So there's like this fine line between mm-hmm. is it disrespectful to speak up for yourself and call things out or are you, you know, communicating, showing healthy communication skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think tone and what you say, how you say it plays a big mm-hmm. role into that. And also um, as an adult being open to giving them feedback and correction. Yeah. Because if your teen is like yelling at you and they're trying to get a message across, but it's really messy and it's disrespectful being able to say like, okay, you're really angry right now. Um, however, talking to me like this is not acceptable. So whether it's like, all right, you need to take five minutes to calm down, then we can come have a conversation about it or whatever that redirection sounds like and looks like for you personally. Um, being able to say like, they're having a hard time, they're angry, which is fine. It's just the way that you're communicating that is not okay and not acceptable. So let's talk about a way that is okay and accept- acceptable and respectful. Yeah. So basically... As adults, we have to learn to shift our perspective and how we perceive the information that's coming to us from a child. Mm -hmm. So being able to, because it's also, we talked about it before, like the the boundaries and limits that are in place. Right. And we have to establish those so that we know how to communicate or the expectation for communicating with each other. But we also know the emotions do get in the way. And we also have to think that like, hey, how would I feel if I was upset? Like, how would I be responding? Like, sometimes we're not in our own Mm -hmm. brain, our own body. But yeah, just being open to the intent behind 
what's being said versus how it's being said yeah. sometimes. Because the reality is um, we all get upset. <laughs> we all get angry, sad, or whatever it is. So shutting someone's feelings down because they don't know how to appropriately express that like at a young age it's not helping them because how many adults do you know when they get mad they like pop off look at reality tv and there's a whole career for a whole (laughs) segment just for that right it's fueled off of people not being able to handle and communicate their emotions respectfully and effectively and it's funny when it's not happening to you right but when you're in that situation it's like all right this is a lot Um, so it's entertainment tv but i just feel like that's a good example of you know i can imagine a lot of people who are in those positions where they are very explosive with their emotions didn't have the opportunity correction redirection when they were younger of how to appropriately express those feelings yeah and so I think that's a good it's a good teachable moment because Mm -hmm. when you're able to like take a step back and see what's happening which is hard to do sometimes in the moment but when you can take a step back and say okay this is what's happening but I know that this is the end goal because a lot of times when there's you know conflict or power struggles it's not that we're trying to fight each other we just need to fight the problem Mm -hmm. and like solve it and you know figure out how to move forward um yeah so yeah, just using it as a teaching moment to say, okay, this is how you know how to communicate now, but here's a different approach. Right. And even being, you know, reflective on like, okay, what would I do in this moment? Or how do I feel being communicated with like this and like checking both ways? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the overarching theme of what we're talking right talking about right now um, is validation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about support a little bit, but mainly right now, like validation. So let's kind of take a step back and talk about what is validation? Because I think when people hear that, they think if I validate this feeling, this experience, that means it's okay. Or that means that it is acceptable. Or that means I agree. Mm-hmm. However, that's not what that means. I think validation is just acknowledging and accepting that this is a reality. Either this is how you feel or this is an event that took place mm-hmm. or this is what you think about something, acknowledging that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's good <laughs> because it is, like you said, listening, acknowledging. Um, it it, it um, encourages communication. And it's not just that you agree. It's not that you're uh, you're judging somebody. It's just saying like, this is what I'm hearing you say, or this is what it, it looks like you're feeling mm-hmm. um, in the moment or about the situation. Yeah. And then even if it's something that needs to be corrected or shifted, or you need to guide it in a different direction, it doesn't take away from the fact that um, you're attuned to what's taking place. And I think that that is where kids and teens can find comfort yeah. and and support in expressing themselves even if you know their perspective of what's happening is skewed or they need more understanding about how they responded in the situation um just having that validation that whatever they're feeling is important right yeah yeah and it is about perspective too because how many times have you seen like a little kid have a tantrum about something that we view as small and they're acting like it's the worst thing ever or it's the end of the world. 
um, from our perspective, we're adults. So we have experienced a lot of different things, good and bad, stressful, all of that, hurtful, all of those things. So we have a bigger view of Mm -hmm. or or the scope of things that can happen in life. Before, you know, a four-year-old or a five-year-old, you know, their favorite toy broke, that might feel like the end of the world for them because they have a limited view Mm -hmm. um, about things that that happen and, and go on for them. Yeah. It was really funny. The other day I was talking with someone about, um, you know, when when adults give children uh, instruction or directives. And I was saying that, you know, a lot of times I feel like when you're setting limits or when you're giving a child an instruction, you have to explain why. Especially like you say, like the child's jumping on the bed. Mm -hmm. And for us, we just see it like, hey, that's not safe or hey, that's not something I want you to do. Mm-hmm. But to them, we're just having fun. Like, right. it's not like this is bouncy. I can jump on it. But it's ex- like giving them an explanation. And the person I was talking with was like, well, no, kids don't need explanations because I'm the adult. They just need to kind of do it. Do what I say follow, when I follow say what it. I say. <laughs> and I'm like, well, the, the purpose is, is that we again, we want to help kids to be able to make d- informed decisions on their own. Not to say that they're responsible completely for the decisions that they're making as kids, because as adults, we're still supposed to cover them mm-hmm. and make sure that they have the correct guidance. But by giving them information, it's going to widen their perspective so that they do have full understanding about the choices that they're making and whether or not they're going to engage right. or disengage from whatever's taking place. So I think, yeah, the more information, the wider perspective that they're going to have to be able to understand what's going on in their world at that time. I like that. I like that a lot because for some reason, we expect kids to just know things when they don't they haven't had the experience because like imagine going into a job like a brand new job and they're like here's a computer for you figure out where you sit like like just no information no instruction they're just like this is what you need to do but they don't give you like the how to do it like where to get this information from who is in charge of what and as an adult you can probably figure it out and ask questions but it makes it harder, right? And it's going to take you yeah. longer because you have to do all of this work. So be, just being able to give whys and explanations to kids, it can help them, like you said, really understand how to navigate situations or just really start thinking for themselves and building that critical thinking that they don't necessarily yet have. Yeah. Because I even think about it, like a whole, the whole key to learning is information and then experience Mm -hmm. and as adults we've lived you know we've been on this earth for so long we've had multiple experiences to know hey we should do this or we shouldn't do this because this is the consequence that comes with it Mm -hmm. whereas kids they're literally trying to figure the world out and so while we have the information about xyz they don't Mm -hmm. and so yeah yeah, like even though they're still trying to they're still going to get their experiences and we can still tell them all the information that we have and they still make the opposite choice. At least we gave it to them so they can make an informed choice Mm -hmm. going forward. Yeah. Valid point. Setting them up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But setting them up for success um, is the key. I think that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. And just letting them know that, you know, no matter what happens, what occurs in life that, 
their experiences are important and we care about the things that they care about. Yes. And that can be with like little things like, hey, I'm really into tattoos now. Now, of course, (laughs) you're not old enough to get a tattoo, but hey, we can get the little lick on, stick on ones and we could do it one weekend. Yeah. Or even just asking like, oh, what made you interested in tattoos or where did this interest come from? And it's like, oh, they want to know. So it opens the door for a conversation because it could be they don't even really understand that tattoos hurt, the perm- like they're permanent, and things like that. So I always say, like, be curious, not judgmental. Because when you're curious, you can find out more information and then you can it opens the door for a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And it influences because I think um, I was talking to someone and a lot of times, especially when teens are going through this experimental stage, this curiosity stage where they're trying to fall into peer pressure a little bit, trying to figure out like these outlandish, let me not call them outlandish, but they're, they're, they're engaging in some risky behaviors because they're becoming very curious about the things of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times when parents or adults kind of automatically say, hey, that's bad, that's that's a no, like you can't do that. It causes kids to rebel and want to do it even more. Yeah. But as long as you're a consistent listening ear, even if you don't agree with what they're doing, th- th- your voice in their head is going to come back to them. They're going to be like, hmm, you know what? I thought about what Zoe said, or I thought about what Deanna said. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think I'm going to do it. Even though I still really, <laughs> w- really want to do it. But I-, I just hear their voice in my head saying that maybe I should think this through a little bit more. Yes. Thinking about the consequences. Because they have a hard time thinking about the consequences. And that's just where they are developmentally. Um, but if you can plant those seeds then they can start implementing that skill of like, not just thinking about the short term, but the long term. How is this going to impact some decisions they make impact the rest of their life? But how is this going to impact whether it's my grades, my family, like whatever it is. Um, Yeah. So support and validation. Yes. Um, With support, I think switching gears here a little bit with support, Sometimes we can look at that as a financial thing Hmm. and they have this, they have that, they have the shoes they want, they have the iPhone, they have the AirPods, they have all of these things. They have this big, beautiful house where, you know, they have these experiences. Why aren't they okay? Mm -hmm. Um, However, support is deeper than financial and it's great that kids can have, you know, kids who have access to those things have access. However, support is a lot bigger than financial or just things. Sometimes just showing up. Oh, that's a good one. Showing up. Makes a big difference um, in being present, um, providing emotional support, whether it's like we've mentioned validation or just listening um, or putting them in situations where they can get support from other people. So whether it's, you know, like a church youth group or um, a local, um, like a school club, whatever, being able to get support in other ways than financially. Yeah. I like that you said showing up because <clears throat> I, I definitely agree with that. Like sometimes you can just be um, a listening ear. Um, but I also think when we talk about showing up, the first thing that came to mind was like an action. Like I'm going to be present. I'm mm-hmm. going to 
be here, X, Y, Z. But even just like if you're not there, because I think of, you know, we have social supports in the home or in community context, but like people that live in other states can be supports. And I think Mm -hmm. just being available to talk, like you don't have to actually be there like, hey, let's talk about this. Can you know, you can lean on me, but just saying like, hey, I'm available if you need me is also another layer just to have in the back of their mind that if I needed it, I would have it. Right. And also not even waiting for them to ask because I know for me, people be like, oh, let me know if you, or not, I don't even say this, people like, let me know if you need anything. But sometimes we have a hard time asking for help and asking for what they need. So if you know the child in your life is going through something that's stressful, or if you know they have this big performance yeah. coming up or whatever it is. Perceive it first. Yeah, ask, yeah. or just letting them know like, hey, I know you have this um, big game coming up. Good luck. I'll be supporting, cheering you on, you know, from home or um hey, I know that you have finals coming up and that's a really stressful time. How is that going for you? Or sending them like a gift, like a gift card to Chick-fil-A or whatever, like, hey, get you a milkshake or something. You know, so just putting that out there because kids aren't always, and people in general aren't always going to say, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people have a hard time identifying and expressing what they need. So just showing up before they even can ask for it it puts you in a place for when they do need support, they'll think back to those moments and they'll be like, I know this person was there for me through then. So let me reach out to them, see if they're available to talk about the situation or whatever it is that's coming up for them as they're getting older and other challenging situations come up. Yeah. That just made me think of like the love languages, mm-hmm. which th- that could be like a whole nother thing, but um, understanding how you want people to show up for you and then how other people want to be shown up for and being able to meet that need um, in the way that they receive it best. Because like you said, some people might, I, I'm vocal. I want you to tell me, I'm going to tell you exactly what I need and mm-hmm. I just need you to do it versus some people who might be more reserved or might not really have the language <clears throat> for what they need and just being able to perceive it and saying like, well, this is how I know how to show up for people and doing that as mm-hmm. well. And I think um, I read somewhere where it was like our love languages are the need that we didn't get met as a child. Interesting. Okay. So it's like if, um, say, you know, your parents worked a lot, weren't home, you kind of were just navigating life independently, Mm -hmm. your love language growing up might be quality time. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you didn't really have enough quality time growing up. So now that you're an adult, that was a need that didn't get met. So that's how you receive love now. Hmm, That's interesting. And so being able to just kind of assess like your child specifically or the child in your world specifically Mm -hmm. and what they need and meeting it through the five different ways of support. Yeah. Yeah. Because kids have love languages too. There's some kids who are like, I want you to watch this movie with me. I want to... Uh, that's quality talk to time. you on the phone all the time. That's quality time. And there's time. some kids who are like, oh, you got me this. Thank you. Like, so knowing Gifts. your individual child's love language, um, especially if there's multiple kids, because more than likely it's going to be different for each child. That yeah. can be helpful with knowing how to provide support for them um, in just everyday life. Yeah. And I like that getting to know your individual child, because I think a lot of times people show love in the way that they would like to receive it 
and everyone's not the same. Mm -hmm. And so even if I like to receive quality time, someone else might like words of affirmation. And so being able to stretch myself and understand the different ways that people receive so that I can, you know, try different things out. Yeah. Meeting people where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all about perspective. (laughs) And sometimes we have to look, look from other people's perspectives. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think validation is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's just, I just understand and see how important it is. And it's Mm -hmm. so simple. Um, And it's a theme that I hear comes up a a lot with many of the teams that I work with. And they may not have the words to articulate it, but when you really get down into it, they don't necessarily want their parents and other people to fix things for them. Sometimes just saying, you have a lot on your plate right now and it's overwhelming. Or sometimes just saying, like, you've been working really hard. Or, yeah, that situation really sucked. That's all they want to hear. (laughs) They're like, It's the empathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like putting yourself in their position to see, like, how they might be feeling with all that they're going through. Because I think a lot of times kids feel like we're so far removed from their experiences. And things have shifted and they're completely different than when we or their parents grew up. Mm -hmm. That they're just like, well, you're not going to understand anyway. But, like, trying to attune to that and say, like, I I do get it. And even if we don't, I don't get it, but I want to know. And, like, making the effort to understand their perspective is even enough as well without having to try and jump in and, like, fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Solve the problem. Yeah. Just listening, showing up, acknowledging, and sometimes even just naming it. Because especially for younger kids, they may not have the language or the words, definitions for what they're feeling or experiencing. So saying like, you're really disappointed that you just dropped your popsicle on the ground. Or you're disappointed that we can't go to the park today. And that's okay. And what that does is it empowers them to be able to solve their own problems. Mm -hmm. Just creating a space for them to process what's going on without jumping in and giving our own opinions or perspective. It's just like, okay, I've thought this through. I've said it out loud and I can make connections in my own head about what I want the next to look like or what I want to be different next go around. Yeah. And that helps them to be better decision makers when they grow up. Right. Right. I think something that we have to address is that like when a lot of people hear things like this, they're like, that's giving the kid too much power. They need to do what I say when I say it. Like all that gentle parenting stuff is all like whatever. Um, but you're however, supposed to be gentle with kids. <laughs> like, who said we need to be harsh with kids? Yeah, yes. And there's a balance, like setting boundaries and limits. Like, I think Structure's a lot good. of times people go from one end to the other to like, oh, can you please, will you please to like do this right now or you're going to get a whooping or this yeah. is going to happen. Like, you can meet in the middle. You can, if there's something that you're needing them to do or wanting them to do, setting that limit and boundary, like, this needs yeah. to be done by this time or, you know, whatever it is, or even giving them an, two options. Yeah. Like either you're going to put your shoes on or I'm going to help you put your shoes on. Which one do you want to do? <laughs> there's, a, there's a balance right? between structure <laughs> and nurture. And we have to find <laughs> out what that balance is. Um, but even with that, like sometimes you just have to let the natural consequences 
play its role. And I know as parents, it's really hard because yeah, it's like, a tough one. when I said it, it needs to get done. But it's also like, hey, it's cold outside. You don't want to put your jacket on. You're going to see how cold it is once we get out and we're not coming back to get your jacket. Yeah. So letting them make choices on their own and see how making the wrong one is going to have some consequences. Yeah, yeah. Or if you choose not to clean your room, you're choosing not to hang out with your friends this weekend. Yeah. Um, so it gives having, them a little autonomy. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, you won't have to do it, but this is the consequence. And then when you set those boundaries, there's no room for arguments. Like, you knew what the consequence was. This was your choice. So this is what you get. And I think the biggest thing, though, is that when you set boundaries with kids, you have to follow through. Yes. You have to follow. You, you can't have to. You can't talk big because kids know they will push the boundaries. And if they know that there's a little wiggle room and uh, hey, well, you said this before and it didn't happen, they're not gonna learn. They're gonna keep doing what they're able to get away with. Yes. So, I have so many examples of talking to teenagers and even kids where they're like, I know if I like just ask my mom a couple more times or if I keep she'll asking, give she'll give in. Or I know if, you know, we'll just have an argument about this, but then she'll leave me alone. And the thing that you wanted them to do still isn't done, but you just went through all of this arguing. There's tension in the house for nothing. For the bigger one, if we go to the store and I tantrum, I'm going to get the candy that I want. (laughs) And a lot of times parents and adults just like say, hey, like, let's keep the peace. I don't want to be embarrassed in the situation. So I'm going to give them what they want. And they know, hey, if I just embarrass mom or dad, if I just tantrum a little bit, I'm going to get the candy. Right. So it could be like, hey, well, we could just go. Like, we don't have to stay here. But making sure that when you set boundaries and limits that they match yes. the offense or they match, you know, the consequences match the action that right. took place, but also just following through. Yeah. Yeah. It yes. which can be hard. It, it can be. It can be. But starting off with following through, it's going to save you a lot of headache. Like, yeah. If that is, I think validating and setting boundaries and sticking to them are like the two main things that come up. Cause then if you're not sticking to those boundaries and those rules and limits that you set, like as they get older, they just, they know, they know what to do. They know what buttons to push. They know how to get what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're stressed. <laughs> you're like- I, I feel like we talked about like kids actually do want, rules as much as they try and fight it and push it like they do want some kind of structure in place because they're they don't know anything they're trying to figure it out so they need some kind of guidance so that they're not like because i I don't know about you but i've when i don't know what's going on when i feel uncertain i'm just feel like an anxious mess Mm -hmm. like it, it, it sucks it does not feel good right so imagine a kid that's dealing with this plus trying to go to school, trying to get like all this stuff done. Yeah. And just figuring out life in general. They have no guidance about rules and boundaries. They need to know what to expect because it establishes routines, Mm -hmm. consistency, all this, all the stuff that they need. Yeah. So they actually like it, even though they push back on it. I've even had kids that say they want chores. (laughs) Like chores. Like what? I want to learn how to do stuff. Yeah. Because they want to learn how to do things. Um, So growing up, I had friends. After we graduated high school and we grew up, they did not know how to do like laundry or dishes. And it's just like they're kicking themselves. It's like, man, I wish I knew how to do like Mm -hmm. regular like life tasks. But, yeah, it looks different for every family. But it's making sure that 
you know, there's some consistency in making sure that everyone's on the same page with the rules and the expectations that are put in place. Exactly. The more that you can be on the same page, which is the easier, the easier things can be. And it just flows a lot better. Yeah. All right. Well, this concludes part two of what really matters. We covered a lot. Safety and security in part one with emotional, Mm -hmm. mental and physical safety. And then um, also support and validation. Um, These are the foundational building blocks for you know, growing healthy children. Right, right. And we talked a little bit more about boundaries today too. So mm-hmm. boundaries is a never ending thing. It is. You're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you have to, it continues through life. You can, even as adults, you got to learn boundaries. And so we'll probably always revisit some level of boundaries. And a lot of this stuff, I love that it overlaps. And just like, you know, when you're building blocks, like they always add on to each other. So it's not like you learn one thing and then you move on to the next. Like there, once you lay a block, like it's always going to carry on to the next. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah. it's like baby steps. It is. It is. And I think also remembering if something doesn't work one time, that doesn't mean that it's, it's not effective. Work. Like yeah. if you are trying to offer support to the child in your life and they're not necessarily receptive to that. Give them time, continue to do it, be consistent, show that continuous support. Because if they haven't experienced that, you doing it one time is not going to make them think, oh, this has changed. Yeah, repetition. Um, so being, being consistent is a part of that, like baby steps, laying the foundation that you yeah. mentioned. Like we've said, pra- practice doesn't make perfect, but it makes progress. So that's a good one. I feel like I've heard it somewhere, but I'm going to claim it <laughs> today. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Parenting Proverbs. We look forward to bringing you more episodes soon. Yep. And as always, make sure you're following us on social media at Parenting Proverbs on Instagram. And if you have any questions, thoughts, feedback, shoot us an email at parentingproverbs at gmail.com. All right. This podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes. It does not take the place of services from a professional. If you feel like you would benefit from those services, please contact a professional near you. Welcome to Parenting Proverbs. Welcome to Parenting Proverbs.